We're going to get right into our sermon series that we started last week called Running with the Giants. Last week we looked in uh, the, the, the character that we saw there, Isaiah, okay? Today we're going to go into another one, and I'm going to go right into what our themed verse is for this series. This is what the scripture tells us. It says, therefore, everybody say therefore. therefore. Understand what this meaning of therefore means. It's continuing the previous chapter. What does that mean? It's continuing what was already written, and he's continuing on here. The author is, all right? He says this, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Now, if you know about Scripture, and you know about the Bible, and, and if you don't know about Hebrews chapter 11, what you can understand is that it is a Scripture power-packed full of men and women who did great things who did marvelous, that God used greatly to accomplish some awesome stuff, all right? And so here we have the author saying, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, I love this part, it says, let us throw off what? Everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance. I love this word perseverance here because perseverance means this, we're running when things are going great. We're moving forward when things are going great. But it also means even more, more defined here when things aren't going exactly as planned. In other words, when you got some serious stuff happening. I, I asked this last week. I said, who in here has got some stuff? I'm going to ask again. Who in here has got some stuff? Right? <laughs> Man, y'all didn't pray hard enough last week. Jeez. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That is the general term, and it is the wrong way to look at that, by the way. But it says, and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. What we understand here, and, and what I want you to try to picture is, you guys have seen like a race on TV or a marathon. I brought this kind of illustration out to you last week. On the sides of those roads, what is it? It's people. What are those people doing? They're cheering. They're shouting them on. They don't have a favorite necessarily. They're encouraging all of these runners. In fact, you see many of the people, what? Holding bottles of water. I don't know who you are, but you look thirsty because you're running and I'm not. Thank you for running and I don't have to, right? What are they doing? They're, they're right there with them. What I think here is what would one of these that is mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, which is the hall of fame of faith, which is full of these men and women who did great things that God used mightily, if one of them could come into your life, into your journey, into your race, what would they say? What would they do? What advice would they give us? So not only are we going to point out great perspective, looking at how God used their lives and how we can take that example and apply it to us, but we're also, listen, we're going to dig in scripturally. So you're going to learn through the scriptures. So today, what we're going to take a look at, very familiar scripture, or rather character, my mistake, in scripture, that is Jacob. Jacob was what? He was the grandson of Abraham. He was the son of Isaac. Jacob had a very interesting life, and that's saying it very nicely. In his life, there was characteristics that might not just sit well with some people. 
You know, some of us here today, we, we might be within in a grand scope of things where we could say we are unsettled. And I think it would be proper to say that Jacob lived a very unsettled life at times. In life, uh, in his life rather, it was characterized where we are possibly right now. What do I mean by that? Where you might be right now. And that is this. For when your life isn't turning out the way you hoped. Now, I don't, last week I had an outward response. I don't want an outward response in this. This is a rhetorical question. I want you to think about this for yourself. But has your life turned out the way that you had desired or the way that you had hoped? What Jacob was guilty of throughout scripture that we read is something that's very single, that, that would, I don't know, I guess be part of, of, of guilt. Um, someone who possibly, I think of Jacob as a person who wanted, he had control issues. Anybody ever have control issues? Don't look at your spouse. All right. I think he's a person that had control issues. All right, he, he, was a, he wanted to control every aspect of his life. Like he was unsettled if he didn't know how things were going to be. Kind of like us, we try to direct our lives or simply figure out things on our own terms. Life for Jacob was not turning out the way that he had hoped and he was still trying to manipulate it. Let me help you out here. If life is not turning out the way that you had hoped, and things aren't going according to your plan, chances are you need a new plan. And let's go deeper. Chances are you need to step yourself out of the plan and let God run this thing, all right? The funny thing is, all of us, if you live long enough, you're gonna understand that the more you try to further, the more that you put into it, the further you're gonna get away from God's plan. Jacob from birth, the second he was born, he was manipulating his own life. You can read in Genesis uh, chapter 27, and you can see where Jacob was being, as he was being born, he's got a twin brother, you know? And, 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 and the twin brother's about, you know, he's coming forth, and what do we read? That Jacob grabs his ankle, is like, no, that's a horror movie. Can you even get a mental picture of that? Don't, all right? But think about that. He's what? From the very beginning, we see here with Jacob's life. He's a manipulator. He's trying, what? He's got his own way, his own plan. He wants to do it how he sees it needs to be done. Now, what's interesting about his life and why I think the reason why these characters within the Bible um, is, is that we can relate to each one of them. That's why we're talking about them. We can relate because uh, on multiple occasions, God tried to reach out to Jacob and, and, and he wanted to, to uh, grab his attention. Now understand this, Jacob did great things throughout scripture. He did things that were good. He had some encounters, but it's still safe to say that he could have done even better. He could have went after God more. He, God could have used him even better. He kept trying to make his own life, his life work. He tried to make many of us, and, and this is for us, and this is how we do it, we try to write out our own script in life. And understanding that we don't need to be the author of our script. Because if you're the author of the script, and God's the teacher, so to speak, and he looks at your script, there's going to be a lot of corrections. 
There's going to be a lot of cross outs. There's going to be a lot of adding to. There's going to be a lot of Xing it out, right? There's going to be a lot of circles. Hopefully there's some smiley faces, all right? But what if we were to allow God and go, God, you know what? This isn't my life. This is your life. This is about what you want to do with me. This is about how you want to move in my life. Jacob wanted so much to be able to write out his own thing. In fact, it it got to the point that where he wanted the birthright of his brother. Now his brother was out and he was doing what his jobs were, hunting, taking care of things. He comes in one day and he's like, man, I am hungry. I am starving. I need some food. Jacob the manipulator. Jacob the deceiver goes, hmm, I got an idea here. How hungry are you, bro? In fact, if you're so hungry, I'll fix you something to eat. You just give me that birthright. And we read in scripture that exactly, that's, he, he's, he's all about this. He's all about self. If you know anything about me, I say with this, we need to become less selfish and more selfless. Giving ourselves up to one another, right? Giving ourselves up to what God wants to do. So what happens with Jacob is that he ends up in this crisis. We can either go through life in a crisis and learn from it like Jacob, or you can continue to stay in your crisis. It's really up to you. I prefer to learn from my moments of faults. I prefer that God develops me so that when I'm faced with these character developing moments, I can handle them a lot better than what I've done previously. Can somebody say amen to that? Because sometimes when we come against the pressures of life, we allow ourselves to become a manipulator. We allow ourselves to begin to write the script. We allow ourselves to be the one to be the designer and the author of all of it. When in fact, when we're going through the crisis, God is trying to develop us into the character that he wants us to be because simply this, you're making a difference in people's lives. Whether or not it's a good one or a bad one, well, that's your choice. Now, what I believe what we need to understand and do here is simply this, let God have control of your life. What does that look like? That's so cliche. That's so easy, pastor, for you to talk about. It's so easy for us to sit here and listen. But when we get out of these doors, it's sometimes so difficult. What does that mean? That means turning our life over to God. In other words, God, I don't know what you have, but watch this. I'm going to trust in you with my life. Every Christian, we are guilty of not doing this. When we go to church and yet we are not confident in God enough to give him everything that we have. Not comfortable giving you what? My future. Certainly not comfortable giving you my careers. Uneasy about allowing you to get involved in our relationships. Here's a good one on that one. Why are we so uneasy about allowing God into our relationships? Because he may not like who we're with or who we're not with. He might want to do things a little bit differently, and that makes us uneasy at times. Watch this. Um, our, Our finances, our money. God, I can't trust you in all of that because I've got to be in control. I've got to know where every dot is dotted, every cross, you know, is crossed. I need to know where everything is. I must be in control. So let me ask you that question again. Think it to yourself. Who in here has control issues? I have defined it very clearly to you. We have control issues. We want it our way or no way. 
God, I don't understand why your will's got to be so difficult for me. God's going, I don't understand why you just can't listen to me. God, why is it so hard for me to live the right life? Why is it so hard for you not to? Think about why. Because we have control issues. We think we know. Watch this. Some of you are going through a schooling of testing, even right now, that God is allowing because you have become so stubborn. Here's a quote. I love this. Typically, I I, I quote nothing but scripture, but I must say this quote intrigued me this week, and it comes from Mother Teresa herself. She says this, you will never know God is all you need until he is all you have. Has anybody ever been there? You ever been in that moment in your life when you realize, God, you're all that I have because everything else around me has completely crashed. Everything else, all the relationships, everything that I thought was safe is no longer safe. God, you're all that I have. A lot of people get to this point, but you don't get, or rather you don't have to get to this point in life. The reason why these stories are in the Bible is for us to learn from them and and to look at a different route along the way of how you can live your life. The truth of the fact of the matter is that we need to give God control of our lives. And if we do what we're about to get into of these three things, I believe that can happen in your life. Jacob eventually gave God control. And the Bible says that he met God face to face at a place called Peniel, a place where he had had an encounter with God. And these are the three things that happened. The first one is this, you'll get a new strength. Now, in other words, You're not relying on supporting yourself any longer. You don't have to build your own resume, reputation, career. What you can do in that, you're no longer self-sufficient, but you become relying on God. The only time that you will find yourself to be in a happy place is when you allow God to build your strength. Now, let's take a look at some scripture here in Genesis chapter 32, right at verse 24. Many of you have read this many times. You've heard a lot of sermons on it, teachings. But it says this, this left Jacob all alone in the camp. Now, what I want you to understand here is he actually sent his whole family and possessions into a different direction than what he was going into, right? So his brother Esau, let's get some backstory here. His brother Esau was very upset with him because he manipulated him. He was a deceiver. He, he, he essentially stole the birthright. And he was very upset with him. So his brother Esau was coming out to get him. Word got back to Jacob. And so Jacob's flourishing. So he sends his servants and his family and his possessions. And he pretty much splits them in half and goes, you know, let's go. You go this direction. I'm going to go this direction. And the reason he does that is simply because he thinks, well, if my brother catches up with one side of us, only half of it is going to be in a bad spot, all right? Let's continue with the scripture. So this left Jacob all alone in the camp and a man, a man, all right? So this is uh, essentially thought to be God or Christ himself, all right, angel of the Lord. And it says, and came and wrestled. Now for some of you, that's every Sunday. That's what it looks like. Some of you, that's almost every day. That's what it looks like in your life. A wrestling match between you and God. A tug of war of power, so to speak. Watch this. 
with him until the dawn began to break. Now let's go to verse 25. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its sockets. So out of its socket. In other words, you think you're strong, but I'm going to show you how strong you really are. We understand that what he created a limp or a pain or a crisis for Jacob to learn that he is not the strong one and that he is not in control and that there is a higher power in your life. This is how God operates. He's doing this through love for you. God does not always initiate and bring about the crisis, but he does allow the crisis to happen so that he can develop you and mold you into being the woman and the man or the child of God that he has willed for your life. Understand that when you go through these pressure cooker moments, these moments when everything is caving in on you, God is compacting and he's working and he's molding and he's forming you into the beautiful image that he intended for you to be. He's giving you direction. He's giving you will. He's giving you purpose. He's got plan for your life. Ultimately, the crisis that you're going through actually becomes this, an invitation. You may be here this morning and, and, and you are so self-reliant. Let me, let me give you a clue. If this is you, you are simply, well, let me ask you this first of all. Who in here is tired? Anybody in here tired? Not physically, but you got a lot of stuff, right? You got a lot of stuff going on. Watch this. Oftentimes. God allows you to get to the place where you are completely wore out because that's where he can get your attention and he can begin to work in you. Watch this, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. It says this, come to me, all you who are what? Weary and burdened. What does that mean? That means you are carrying yourself. You are doing this on your own power. You are not allowing God to have the control that he is wanting. You are doing, and so what are you? You are weary, right? What does that mean? You are simply tired. You are worn out. And he goes this, and I will give you rest. Now, the rest that you're thinking about is not a physical rest. It's like, okay, God, God, uh, I'm weary. I need rest. Nap time. That's not how this works, right? Watch this. The next verse, I love this. Verse 29, he says, take my yoke upon you. We'll stop right there. Now, in other words, what does that mean? That's a different kind of strength. Now, here's what I need you to understand. The yoke. What was the yoke? It was this um, contraption that they would place over the oxen. And it would keep the oxen together. And it would give them, they could only go into the direction together for one thing. But wherever the farmer, whoever was in charge at that time was leading them to go into so oftentimes what they would do is the farmer would take and they would get these animals, they would bring them together, they would pair them up, they would put the yoke on them, they would fasten them up, and then they would begin to lead them in whatever direction. Now, if you had a farmer who was smart and caring, here's what he would do, because oftentimes what was happening is that these yokes were made in a general form. And so depending on the size of the animal really determined the comfort that was there or the discomfort that was there. So many times as a yoke would be placed on the animal, if the animal was too large or too small for that yoke, it would begin to rub against them. 
And it would cause him to become sore. And it would cause him to bleed and become unrested. But then if the farmer was smart, if the farmer truly cared about productivity, here's what he would do. He would begin to measure the size of the animal. Measure the shoulders, measure, measure the chest. And then take it to a carpenter. And who, who was the most famous carpenter of all? Jesus himself. But the farmer would then take it to the, 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 the carpenter, and the carpenter would then build a yoke according to those measurements for those animals. And so now when, watch this, I love this. So now when the, the farmer would take the yoke and place it on the animals to which the yoke was designed for, the animal was working, but he was doing it in a comforting way. He wasn't doing it to where it was hurting him and he was causing bleed, but he was able to do it in a sense of rest. Watch this. Some of you are living in a life that doesn't perfectly fit you. I'm going to stop right there. Think about that. Some of you right now, you're living a life that is not perfectly fit you. There's some generalizations that look really close. There are some things that look very familiar, but yet it's still not the exact plan, will, and purpose that God has designed for your life. And so by you not living that perfect plan, that will, that design, that purpose, guess what it's doing? Some things are rubbing you wrong and it's causing you difficulty in this Christ or this Christian walk, so to speak. But when we allow God, and it says what? When we are burdened, when we are tired, it says that he'll place a yoke, but watch this, he designs it for you. God has designed a life specifically for you. A life that will, what, be very productive. A life that will help you to reach more people for Christ. A life that will help you that, watch this, and I'm, I'm jumping ahead of myself, but forgive me, I'll, I'll come back to it in a minute as well. But when you are going through the thick of it, when you're going through the hard times, you will still have joy. That happiness will not be seasonal in your life, but you will be fully encased in a spirit of joy. Now, he says this. It goes on in the scripture. And you will learn from me, for I am what? Gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. So this is why when we see scripture, people coming to God, that one of the signs of God is simply rest. Not rest in the physical way, but rest within our souls. Rest is that while I am working, it's not wearing me out. I've had some people say, Pastor, I, I, I'm doing the best I can, but, but you know, trying to follow scripture and, and live that life, it's wearing me out. Let me, let me challenge you here. Let me, let me challenge you. Are, are you. are you trying to live the will of God? Are you saying, Lord, design this life for me and let me get my, myself out of it. Are you, are you relinquishing control? Are you still determined that you know what's best for your life? Now, we, generally, we're going to say, oh, no, 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 I know Jesus is what's best for my life and I know his plan and that's what I want. If you did, then you would begin to live that out. If you did, you would allow this word to be a part of your life every single day. If you did, you would spend time praying before your God. If you did, 
You would what? Lift holy hands and praise and worship and adoration to him. If you did, you would watch the things that are coming from your mouth. Remember Isaiah, the coal had to come what? Touch his lips. Why? Because he realized that there was, so, there was a problem there. What's coming out of you? Whatever's coming out is what's coming in. What is it? What are you not allowing to be purified in your life? You, you know the scripture of this. Those who hope in the Lord will what? Renew their strength and they will mount up on wings like eagles. I've touched this before and I'm going to touch it again here for you and give you a little help. You ever notice an eagle doesn't really flap its wings? What do they do? They glide. You ever see a hummingbird? <laughs> right? <laughs> Poor thing's working to death. We got to feed her out back whenever we put it out and put food in it. But it <laughs> Right? I've been to some of y'all's houses and you're like, oh, it's so pretty. Look how hard that's working while I'm relaxed, sipping my lemonade. Okay? You see birds, you see seagulls, you see these birds and they're all, you know, flapping as hard as they can and then they got to stop somewhere and get some physical rest so they can get from point A to point B again and go, you know, and the cycle goes on and on and on. That's what some of y'all look like spiritually. That was harsh, wasn't it? I didn't think before I said that one. Maybe there's a reason. No, I'm not doing a again. That's ridiculous. But think about that for, some, for, for a second. That's where some of you are right now. It's not enough just to say, I believe in Jesus and accept him in my life and everything's going to be fine. No. You got to get yourself out of the equation, allow him to work all these things out according to what his purpose, plan, and will for your life. I'm huge on that. You guys know that. It comes out in every single message. We could be talking about baseball, and I'm still going to bring up will, purpose, and plan. When are we going to get to the spot and realize this? Watch this. Here's what the eagle does. Before it gets off of its perch, and it's very patient, by the way. It's extremely patient. This one's directed to me, okay? Patience. But here's what it does. There's this thermal current that happens. And it's a warm blast of air. And the eagle waits patiently before it moves. Let that sink in. It waits patiently before it moves. And while, when that thermal air comes, then it, one big woof, right? And just glides right into it and allows it to get to wherever its objective was without overworking itself and doing it all while doing what? Resting. We need the Holy Spirit. One, we need it. We need him in our lives. Secondly, we need to be patient and waiting on his move. And watch this. Here's a tough one. When he says move, then we move. What does that do? That it gets me out of the equation and that fully, what do we do? The yoke that we take upon that Christ gives. That thermal blast through that Holy Spirit, what takes us into the direction that God has intended for our lives. So this adds us to this. You will, or you'll get, when we do this, when we allow the Holy Spirit to move, you'll get a new identity. But actually, I want to correct that. Because it bothered me when I kept saying new identity and, and thinking about that you're not going to get a new identity. You're actually going to get an old one. 
the one that God already visioned for your life before you decided to take control of it. Think about that for a moment. Genesis chapter 32, uh, 27 through 28, says the man, the man excuse me, asked him, what is your name? Jacob. Well, we understand what? We understand that Jacob was what? He was a manipulator in this, up to this point. He was a deceiver. The man was a hot mess, right? He says, Jacob, he answered. Verse 28, then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob. In other words, I never intended for you to be this way. I never intended for what the world has defined you to be, to be. I never intended for what your reputation says you are for you to be. That was never part of my grand plan for your life. That was part of your plan, but not my plan. When you got involved, you created a whole new meaning for your life than what I designed for you and purposed for you. Can somebody just think about that for a moment for you? We see this example with Jacob, but do we fall into the same, uh, same arena, so to speak? All right, here we go. Um, then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but what? Israel. Defined as what? A prince of God. Because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. There's one thing that we can definitely learn from Jacob and that he was very relentless. He didn't allow the setbacks and everything to, he was not lazy. I mean, you, you remember when uh, he, was, he was going out, he, he had this idea he wanted to marry this one woman. And then uh, he went, made a deal with the father and, 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 and the father tricked him. In other words, kind of got back what, you, what you've been doing all along. And he had it, ended up marrying the, the woman's sister, which was, the Bible says, wasn't very lovely. Her eyes were weak. That's a nice way of saying she was ugly. All right? I'm just saying. And the one that he wanted was, was you know, the, the one that, that was more attractive. And so then the father was like, well, let's see here. I can get two of them out the door here. So <laughs> here's what we're going to do. I got some more work for you to do. And so he does that, and, and you see how that happened within his life. See, he continued. When he saw something he wanted, he, what did he do? He worked. He was relentless. He went after it. So that scripture right there tells us that what, you know, what, because you have struggled with God and with humans, but watch this. I love the word there. You have overcome. What does that mean? That means it doesn't matter what season of life you are in, whether you're a young person or a well-seasoned person, all right? It doesn't matter. God is no respecter of that. Regardless of where you're at, you can still overcome. You can overcome that reputation. You can overcome being in control. You can overcome all the mistakes that you have done and still get back on track of God's plan. Now, if that's not exciting, nothing else is. Amen. I love this because God doesn't look at your actualities. He sees possibilities. He's saying, you know, uh, I know I, I have the right script. I've already written it out for you. I've got a better plan. Every time God encountered people in scripture, he took the bad identity and he replaced it with the correct identity. We see that all throughout scripture. We see that with, with uh, Paul. We see that with Mary Magdalene. 
We see that all throughout. We see that with Peter. Watch this in this scripture in 1 John uh, 42. It says, and he, he is Andrew here, which is the brother in, in a minute. But he says, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon. In other words, uh, that's your meaning, someone who listens to God. Okay, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called what? Cyphus, which is translated as Peter, which is also translated as what? You are a rock. And if you recall, what did Jesus do and pronounce Peter to be? He would be what? The foundation very instrumental with the early church and the church that we're in today. Jesus took Peter from being a passive listener to becoming the rock, which scripture tells us that he says, oh, I will build my church upon. So if we can allow God, he will what? Not just write a new script, but he will go back to the original one and bring it back again in your life. I love that. All right, here we go. Here's the next one. You'll get a new joy. Know this, joy is not circumstantial. It's not external, but joy is an internal thing in your life. You can have joy regardless of what goes on circumstantially in your life. Believe it. Regardless of everything else is crumbling around, you can still look at it and go, I still have joy. And what is that joy? None other than Jesus Christ. Joy is deeper than circumstantial. Joy is above happiness. Joy is regardless of everything that may be happening around you. Everything that uh, is going on, everything that everyone has ever said. Joy is saying, I've given myself to God and there's nothing on, of this earth's circumstance that can do to take that away from me. No relationship, no person. No job, no financial situation. Nothing can take away the relationship. Because watch this. Paul says this. Our existence here is nearly what? A vapor compared to what your eternal existence is. A vapor. We think this is, oh my goodness, this is a long life. It's never going to end. Well, trust me, one day it will end. And then the longevity will really kick in. All right. Watch this, Genesis chapter 32, verse 29 says, please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name? In other words, there's not enough time to tell you exactly who that I am, all right? The man replied, then he blessed Jacob there. Understand this, the word blessing here is misunderstood. I believe in the church. We have translated the word blessing to mean lots of money and lots of stuff. The word blessing here is nothing more, it has nothing to do with circumstance. The word blessing in this moment, and in the Greek, it's literally defined or means internal joy. Watch this, I love it, because Jesus gave the Beatitudes on the Sermon on the Mount. He said blessed, right, all the time. Blessed is this, blessed is this, watch this, blessed uh, in Matthew 5, 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be what? Filled. So let's, let's replace that for a second, the word blessed, and say internal joy are to those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be what? Filled. Giving your life 
to Christ. You inherit a joy inside of you that this earth cannot take away from you. Allowing Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life is something that no person can decide to take away from you. That is a decision that you make and that is a decision that becomes permanent within your life. You want to serve Jesus, you serve him. No one can take that away from you. That is not circumstantial. That is something that is eternally happening in your life. And it doesn't matter what others are saying. It doesn't matter what the reputation may be. None of that matters in the eyes of God. If you accept Jesus Christ, nothing, no one can take that away. Giving your life to Christ, you inherit a joy inside of you that this earth cannot take away. A joy that is what? Unspeakable and full of glory. So I think there's a few final words that Jacob might give to us. The first one is this, brokenness precedes breakthrough. Nothing can ever happen until you give in. People see God as judgmental or someone who expects perfection. Listen, God does not expect perfection. He expects honesty. God is looking for people who will be honest. God, I give you my life. I give you who I am. I am completely incapable of living this life without you. I need to be honest about that. Because look, we cannot be who God intends us to be. And at the same time, hold on to what we think we should be. Let me repeat that. We cannot be who God intends us to be and at the same time, hold on to what we think we should be. All throughout scripture, God gives and invites us into this place. If you recall in Ezekiel, he invites us to step into the water. Some will go ankle deep. They'll get a taste of what God is about. Churches are full of people who are ankle deep. Some will go a little bit further out. They're going up to the knees. They'll go out there and they'll, they'll get into it. And, and, and they're, 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 they're willing to go a little bit deeper with God, but not so deep that they're still, that, that, you know, they're out of control, but they're still maintaining control. But you know when the pure joy really takes place? When we relinquish control and we go out to where our feet can't touch and we allow the current of the Holy Spirit to move us, into the direction of wherever it is it wants to take our lives. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in that moment where you relinquished all control and said, Lord, here I am, just take me in the direction that you want me to be in? There's nothing like it as he's moving you about within your life. Now, when we're in control and we think about that, that can get scary. I don't know which way he's going to take me. Trust in him. Trust in him. He knows what's best for your life. He knows what the final outcomes will be. Trust him. He'll never lead you into a place that he would leave you there. Trust in him. Allow his current to take you to where he wants to take you into. I love this Psalm uh, 51, 17 says this. My sacrifice, or that is the true sacrifice of God, is this. Oh God, 
is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. In other words, what is that? God loves that. He's attracted to that broken heart. Why? Because that is where, that is when we allow ourselves to become dependent upon him. Remember last week, when you're going through tough times, don't run from God. Run to God. I think we can all bear witness we have been running from God long enough when things got tough. Don't run away from him. Run to him. All right. Secondly, here's what we must do. We must understand that we have to lose ourselves, lose yourself, in order to be able to find yourself. Your life can never be what you intended it to be until you're every bit of letting control of it or what God intended to be until you completely let let go of control of it. Watch this, the scripture, Mark chapter eight. It says in, in 34 through 35, then calling the crowd to join his disciples. That's some of us here today. You know, just a crowd, Jesus is calling for us to be disciples or followers. He said this, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your own, your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. In other words, what do we need to do? Go all in. Don't allow what you think you want to get in the way of God, what God made you to be. Understand that. Don't allow what you think you want to get in the way of who God made you to be. Go all in. And then as I close thoroughly, you can stand with me. Think of it this way, the third one. When you find yourself on God's terms, you find fulfillment. When you find yourself on God's terms, you find fulfillment. This is a quick and easy point right here. I'm gonna bring out the scripture to you in Romans chapter 12. This is kind of our invitation verse. This is what we're gonna close it out on this morning. Romans chapter 12, verses one through two says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy to offer, in other words, to take every bit of life, jobs, school, relationships, hobbies, whatever, to take, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. In other words, what is that saying? giving it to God as an offering. Scripture says it's holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Verse three or two, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his what good, pleasing, in perfect will. I wanna ask you, who in here today wants to live that good, pleasing, and perfect will? Good, pleasing, and perfect will. There's nothing like that. There's nothing like knowing that you're in the presence of God and, and you're living your life. And, and so then you have a joy that nothing can separate you from. It's not circumstantial. It doesn't matter what relationships you are in or you're not in. It doesn't matter of everything that's going on around you in your life, how great things are going in the career, the job, or, or you know what's going on within the home of the family. What matters is, is that you are then get given a joy that nobody can disrupt. 
that nobody can take away from in your life. And it's a joy that lines up with what? His will, because it's good and it's pleasing. You like good and pleasing things in your life. You like for there to be peace. You like for there to be understanding. You like for there to be order in your life. God is a God of order, not a God of chaos. He sets things in order. We see that all throughout scripture. He gives order. He gives direction. And he wants to do the same in your life. He wants to take the chaos and bring order to it. Why? Because it's good and pleasing. Why? Because it's part of his will for your life. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. I want to ask you this question this morning. That is simply this. You don't know who this Jesus Christ is that we're talking about. The only way you'll be able to soar like that eagle is through Jesus. The only way that you, you, you will be able to have that joy is through Jesus. The only way that you will be able to relinquish control of your life is by giving Jesus control of your life. We say that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the gospels, but let's really look at it. Genesis all the way through Revelation is showing Jesus Christ, the patterns of him, the characteristics, the attributes, the prophecies of him. It's all filled right in there. And this Jesus wants to be a part of your life today. He wants you to relinquish control. He wants you to say, you know what? I've tried this so many times on my own and I have failed time after time after time again. If that's you today and you could say, pastor, I want Jesus. I wanna give my life to Jesus to be the Lord, the master, the savior of my world. If that's you today, I just want you to slip up your hand. See those hands. It's fantastic. Give another moment, I see that hand. It's fantastic. You want to relinquish control today. I see that hand and that one. That's fantastic. Yes. Thank you. Let's pray this prayer together boldly, enthusiastically. Lord Jesus, today I give my life to you. Forgive me my sins. Cleanse me. Make me white as snow. Lead me, Lord take full control because today I give it all to you in Jesus name amen amen can we give the Lord a hand clap and praise amen and if that's you today and you gave your heart to the Lord I want to give you this book free all right and it's you've chosen to follow Christ what's next it's a great read it's simple it's easy I love it. It even gives you a reading plan in it for 12 days. I want to put this in your hand. And, but more importantly, I want to pray with you individually because I believe that God's got greater things in store for your life. So see me after the service. But here's where I'm going to tie this into all of us today is look, we've got control problems. I asked it several times throughout the message and you all responded. Either you rose your hand when you weren't supposed to and you did it anyway, God bless you or I just saw it all over your face. And we've got control problems. We're living for Jesus, but I still wanna have control of certain things. Well, let me tell you, you're never fully going to be satisfied with the joy of the Lord until you 
relinquish all control. So I want to challenge you today. If that's you and you want God, you know what? I'm having problems with control. I need God to have full control. If that's you, slip up your hand. Don't be bashful. Look, I got mine up. I got issues too. Some of y'all holding hands. You're raising them up. Let's pray this together. Father, I love you so much, God. And you see every uplifted hand. You see every individual that says today, God, I need to give up control to you. We saw through uh, scripture of this, the, the story of Jacob, the life of Jacob. And every time he was in control, he manipulated, he deceived. He wanted to go up his way and not your way. Father, today we realize that's for many of us in this room, if not all of us, that's how we've been living our lives. We want it to be according to our will and purpose and plan. But today we realize we're doing this wrong. Maybe we've realized it before, but today we're making a commitment from this day forward. From this day forward, Father, to say, you know what? I want you to have control. So God, today we relinquish this control to you. And we ask you, Lord, to move, to direct us, to open the doors you want open, God, and close the doors you want closed. To take us either here or there, wherever your will leads us, God, we want to follow. So give us that strength. Give us that know-how. Surround us with people, God, who will help us to stay the course that you have set out and laid out before our lives. So Father, this day we love you and we thank you. And so God, we proclaim this. Let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, Amen. We love you. Hey, how good.